Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, and guess what? The whole crew is here, barely. We somehow got everyone on the phone at the same time, joined from Miami by Rob Casty. Rob, how's it going? Just back from Tallahassee, which reminded me of my favorite college town thing where everything costs between three and eight dollars in a college town. Doesn't matter what it is, it's between three and eight bucks. You want a slice of pizza? Three bucks. Maybe the most expensive thing is a side of calamari for seven ninety nine. Yeah, or some some guacamole or something. Uh, and uh, boy, Nick's been gone so long, he forgot to even know how to work the uh, Zencaster application here. Nick Kruger joining us from uh, Parts Unknown. Nick, how's it going? <laughs> Area 51. That's <laughs> where yeah. I'm at. Uh, we're, I do kind of feel like I'm in a bunker, coincidentally. You know, Parts Unknown has a Parts Unknown has a long, proud lineage of people like the Ultimate Warrior that hailed from Parts Unknown. Yeah, well, I believe if anybody's as well, if anybody's from Parts Unknown among the three of us, it's definitely me, uh, considering uh, my uh, sketchy background and upbringing. But uh, anyway, time Parts to get- Unknown really brings down the tone of the podcast right from the start, man. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, we want to remind people to tell a friend, leave us a review. We're back in our Wednesday slot this week as we discuss uh, the. We have a big rankings released this week, boys. Arrivals one hundred. Rivals 250, new five-star. So we're going to touch on that a little bit before we talk about our typical uh, mundane topics of coaches complaining about Twitter and people not having Twitters. And like, having Can we Twitters. rank Dave Lagford as the number one podcast host? Well, I mean, what an improvement, him over me. You guys boot me and have him in the chair. Yeah, well, you know, Dave got a lot of rave reviews, but I tell you what, as our president, He's a superstar. As our president would say, the numbers, uh, you know, Ratings are down big time. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Sorry, Dave. We love you, but uh, we saw a market decrease in uh, in downloads. And I, I, if you guys would have listened to the podcast, which I know neither one of you did, you would have heard that we had an iTunes review uh, related to you guys being missing as well. So um, I'm sure people are very happy to everybody back. So real quick, before we, before we go uh, into anything else, let's talk about these rankings. Derek Stingley, five-star number one. I believe championed by myself and Nick Kruger. Nick, would you say that that we led the charge on that one? Yeah, right from the start. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. Nobody seems to really be talking. Of course, uh, Derek Stingley, his grandfather, uh, Daryl Stingley, was the one who uh, was paralyzed in that famous hit by Jack Tatum, which, you know, talk about targeting. Uh, sort of changed the whole game of football in terms of how it's played. Uh, his dad is a football coach. I think he coached in the Arena League. And then uh, you've got Junior. So you've got the bloodlines there. And I want to tell a real quick Derek Stingley story. Nick, you remember he was at Prime 21. Rob, you might have even been there. This is dating back two or three years. I think he was a ninth grader. Um, So I think it was the year we all three went together. And uh, anyway, I had never met him before. Didn't really know a whole lot about him. And, you know, you're doing the typical pleasantry interviews saying, oh, hey, you know, What's it like to be, you're the youngest guy here competing against a bunch of older guys with a bunch of offers, you know, you ready for the competition, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he told me, I'm always the best person everywhere I go. So I'm not really too worried about it. Uh, and, and you know, what's interesting about that too, is I, I remember specifically telling you that I had all kinds of video about the job. He didn't really have like that great of a camp at Prime 21 specifically. And and uh, for anybody that thinks that these rankings are predetermined and we have, you know, we make up our minds on guys. Well, I can't speak for everybody, but we make up our minds on guys, and that's that. I mean, I've come full circle on Derek Stingley, man. He's been great all spring. Every event that I've seen him at, 
you know, we've, we went down the, the laundry list on the call of reasons why he should be the top player in the country. He's built like a linebacker, plays as good a cornerback as anybody else. And just to see his development from from that point to where he's at now has been really impressive. Yeah, I remember this a little differently from you guys. I, I remember you guys trying to hold him down and Chad Simmons championing this. I mean, Chad took over Louisiana and now he's number one. Oh, there you go. Uh, one plus one equals two. Uh, I, Chad was in favor. Chad loves Stingley. So I think uh, – you know, there, there's some controversy, some people wondering why we dropped uh, Corvarius Crouch from number one, even though uh, he didn't really do anything this spring. He was hurt. You know, do you drop someone because of injury? You know, the bottom line is when we made him number one, it's not like he was, you know, Trevor Lawrence or anybody like that. Uh, I think Comparing we all... Comparing him to the greatest player in football history. <laughs> right, exactly. He, there was there was not a very wide gap between him and the rest of the pack. He ended up winning out. I think we talked about several different players being number one. Uh, and Stingley's there now. And I think Stingley's got a, a, a relatively decent lead. But uh, we're headed into the five-star challenge at the end of the month. And, and really anything could happen. I think... You know, there are several candidates. Nolan Smith is a guy I really like. I, I don't know if he's number one material, but he shot up to a five-star. Uh, you know, you, you've got a couple of offensive linemen uh, as well. So anybody you think you, you guys think could make a, a strong challenge for that number one spot, especially after we get a chance to see him go head-to-head uh, in Atlanta at the end of the month? And nobody from my neck of the woods, except for maybe Smith, who you already mentioned. I'd, you're not going to make a running back number one or else. You know, I think the best player in Florida is Trey Sanders, but – you know, there's positions that you need to consider among such things. And I don't think that Mike Farrell is going to be in favor of making a running back number one. So nobody from my neck yeah. of the woods. I could see Jaden Hazelwood uh, put himself in the conversation. He's pretty good. Uh, he's going to be there. And there's been some talk, him versus uh, Theo Weiss. I know I got some angry text messages um, this week about the, the pecking order of those two. So, that's the the guys I think. Nick, you really don't have anybody. Weiss is your highest-ranked player at three. Could you see him making it to one? Kind of the uh, underlying storyline between Hazelwood and and Weiss is last year at the five-star challenge, uh, Hazelwood was ranked higher than Weiss at at the time of that event. And we spent the entire time telling anybody who would listen how much better he was than <laughs> than Hazelwood. So uh, if everybody thinks that Hazelwood is the favorite to to take at least the top spot at wide receiver – you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of fireworks, I guess, uh, result from that uh, on Theo's end. I was told Spencer Rattler, the Oklahoma commit, was great out at the Elite 11, but I don't, I don't know if we have a quarterback. I mean, do you think any of the guys, Rob, you love Holinsky? Do you think any of those guys are five stars? I think Holinsky could be a five star. Do I think he's the number one player in the country? I, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, he's not Josh Rosen and he's definitely not Trevor Lawrence, you know, um, but he's good. He's the best quarterback I saw, but you went to more camps than everybody. So I missed some of these other quarterback heavy camps. Uh, he was better than every other one I went to, though. Was he better than Mertz, the Wisconsin commit? Did you? Yes. you liked him. Yeah. I did like him, um, but no, no two things are equal. And I think Holinsky was better than Mertz. All right. So there's your rankings talk. Rob's had enough of it. Doesn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, anybody listening to this, including Derek or anybody else, knows that that was not exactly the greatest, the, the most entertaining, <laughs> the most entertaining portion of the show has ever, has ever brought to the table. Well, like Rob, I said. Rob went straight to rants and recommendations. Yeah. Jeez, I got a rant about Rob ranting this show every week. <laughs> That's my main rant. Okay, Rob, what do you want to talk about? Can we go back to talking about pizza slices in college towns? I don't know. What's been going on? People are mad about seven on seven again, right? It seems to be a 
that seems to be a prevailing oh. issue on the internet. That Washington Post story was interesting. Yeah, we did have a big – actually, I, that wasn't on the rundown, so we'll talk about that. But there was a big story in the Washington Post yesterday, which – Wow, my, my actual, rant is that Woody, Woody doesn't put things on the rundown. Yeah, I'm the one who doesn't put things on the rundown. Yes, I would say of anybody on this call, I put the least amount on there. Um, It was written by Samantha Pell, uh, who, by the way, I was surprised she didn't uh, she didn't interview any recruiting analysts for this. She did interview friend of the show, Jimmy Smith, who had some controversial content uh, comments in there. But uh, she, she basically rode with a seven on seven team, Fast Houston, who Nick is a. Uh, familiar with to the bootleggers tournament which i think you were at right nick you were there for this one where she went yeah but i don't know her personally so i didn't know i didn't know to look out for her well so but she was on the and i i feared when i saw the story as i saw the link you know all-star seven on seven is fast-paced unregulated and growing in popularity i took a ride you know from houston to louisiana to capture the essence i was like oh no this is going to be a classic Riding on the bus story. Oh, they're listening to music, you know, uh, which have any, have you guys ever had to write one of those? Rob, I'm sure you did. You ever I do have, that? Ride with yes, them? I, unfortunately. And I, <laughs> it's like you get stuck in this place where it's like you have to manufacture a story where there is no story. Um, and it, she did not fall into that pit hole because she kind of went beyond the bus ride, thank God. And probably actually had editors that gave her time to do a really good job. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice look at the, uh, the kind of the culture in general. And that's why she works at the Washington Post. And at the time I did my, I rode in a minivan from Naples to New Orleans. How's that for, <laughs> take that for data. Uh, that was a uh, not so fun ride. That was after Nick left me to go work at Rivals. I was all alone. There was one I uh, almost did. This is, this is really bad. And this, you will hate the idea of this. And it never came to fruition. Thank God it got set up and then something happened to cancel it. So you know how every college has those like weird super fans that are kind of like, maybe not all there, but. You know, they go to every game and they're kind of famous throughout the fan base. Mm-hmm. Well, K-State has one and <laughs> he drives his like broken down, half broken down pickup truck. Uh, he doesn't miss any road games. This is his whole stick. And I was going to ride with him to either Ames or Stillwater or something. And I was dreading it. And I think something came up where I couldn't do it. Thank God. I, I probably would have died on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of the uh, I got invited to a party uh, with the most interesting man in the world who's now out of work uh, at the College Football Hall of Fame. And they had this thing where these fans were there. And it was like, oh, the most interesting fan in the world contest. And Rob Riggle was there and Matt Leinard. And, you know, it was a fun, you know, how they have these events the week of like the Super Bowl or whatever. Nick and I famously went to one and had our car towed when we were in Miami like 10 years ago. Um, and I went to talk to some of the fans and they were all turned out to be actors. They weren't even real fans. Uh, wait <laughs> a minute. This real- is your – hold on, hold on. This is conjecture though. You decided they were actors because you didn't know like a hand sign, right? No, 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 no. I asked the LSU fan to throw up the Louisiana L – which is, as Nick will tell you, every single kid from Louisiana and every LSU fan does in every picture ever taken. It's basically like the, you know, Delta, Delta, Delta picture thing, Rob, that you would relate to uh, with these sororities. Or the Florida State Tomahawk Shop thing, or the U. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, or the U. He didn't know. He didn't had no idea what I was talking about. Now this is allegedly the biggest LSU fan in the world. And then there was a Michigan fan who painted his face, 
And I sent it to Coach Brown, who covers Michigan for us, and he goes, I've never seen that guy. That's not a thing. All right, so let me ask you this then. Why couldn't they just be like random Johnnies that wrote into email that's saying, hey, this is why I'm a fan. Why does your mind immediately go to actor? Because the guy checked with the – when I asked him to throw up the L, he checked with somebody to see if he could do it or not. Boy, this is real – I mean, this (laughs) – this is a high-level conspiracy theory here. Where, I mean, have you found this man in other commercials? Has he done bit parts? And no, this roles? was clearly this was clearly his big break. His debut, his debut role. Yeah. Well, guess what? Since the, since I tried to blow the door off of that one, guess what happened? Most interesting man in the world. Most unemployed man in the world. Okay. All right. We got way off pace. This seven on seven story. The number one thing, and I sent you guys, <laughs> I really sent you guys, and I'm going to read from this story. Uh, I hope our girl uh, doesn't mind, uh, Samantha. Uh, <laughs> so they're talking about drive the drive. It's an eight-hour drive you know, from Houston to Louisiana. Um, and they, she talks about how the, the, the vans pull into, a <laughs> pull into a neighborhood to pick up one of their players. Uh, We're here to get T. Brown, said Roy Simon Jr., the founder, director, and head coach of Fast Houston. Which is he the founder? What what about our boy Willie Nick? I thought he was involved. Uh, That's that's a that's that's a sensitive issue. It's too big of a yeah. Okay, so he says, Vic, come on, you got to go get him. They were there to pick up four-star recruit Tamazua Brown. Tamaja. Tamaja. (laughs) That doesn't look like Tamaja to me, man. But there was a problem. He hadn't given them his exact address, only a general neighborhood location. And now, having probably fallen asleep, wasn't responding to any calls. I know why you're laughing, but I'm not sure anybody else does. I think people think you're laughing because it's so absurd, but you're laughing because it's so mundane. Like this is, of course, that's what happened. Like, yeah, that's that's one. That's it's the most seven on seven thing ever. I'd be more surprised if they got an address. No, it didn't. You know, it's on the corner of thirteen. And fifth. So it's three in the morning, and this coach is sent out to go knock essentially door to door in hopes of finding the kid. Uh, and then the story goes on from there. But, you know, and, and this, and as she says later on, this late night scene is an example of life on the often chaotic, largely unregulated, increasingly popular and scrutinized world of seven on seven. So, yeah, seven on seven. It's definitely the wild, wild west. But the bottom line is, you can make it about all you want. You can have college coaches talk about, it. well, I don't recruit seven on seven. I do recruit seven on seven. The bottom line is, it's essentially football practice, right? When I played football in high school, we would go to, we would play seven on seven like against other schools. Now it wasn't like this, like it is now. But we would be like, oh, we're going to play seven on seven against, you know, whatever, another school. We would just go. At least the issue that they hang their hats on, and it's in the story too, and I'll read an excerpt here, is – and this is from the story. I hope she does not mind me reading this word for word. Bryce Brown, head coach at Carr High School in New Orleans, has a policy that none of his players are allowed to play all-star seven on seven. He wants players to have more accountability to their high school teammates during the summer Uh, instead of, uh, you know, getting footage to chase offers, I guess. So I guess the problem is if you're going to play seven on seven, you have to play it with your high school. I don't understand how playing seven on seven is a lack of accountability to your teammates who are also permitted to play seven on seven if they want to. I mean, no offense, coach, but, you know, it's not like these high school offenses around the country are putting up, you know, big passing numbers. So a lot of times they do need seven on seven to attract recruiting attention. And why would you limit 
if your job as a high school coach is to, you know, it's to win games, but first and foremost, what is your job as any person who works at a high school, who's a teacher, who's a principal, it's to help the kids leave and be able to have success at their next facet of life, whether that's going to college, going to a trade school, getting a job at a grocery store, whatever you want to say, because after high school, that's it. You're an adult. So I personally think the number one job of high school football coaches is to make sure as many of their players move on and go to college or pursue what they want to do, whether that's on an athletic scholarship or, or just academically. So I don't know why you'd want to limit the opportunities. It's not that – how many tournaments do, do these teams play in? Five to ten max, right? Maybe. And it's getting – it seems like it's getting fewer and fewer. Um, it seems like – Seven on seven has kind of gone away from a tournament every weekend to five really big events uh, for, for the season, you know? Right, exactly. So we got what I found most interesting in this story uh, was when you got down to Todd Graham, uh, which is which is interesting, right? So, so, so Todd Graham, who was coached at Arizona State and was a high school football coach, said, uh, there are guys I've watched in seven on seven that I go, wow. Obviously, we want to watch a guy with pads on and playing games and all that stuff. But I have kids that I've seen very minimal film on that I've watched in a seven-on-seven tournament. And no doubt, I thought I would offer him off of that. Hello. I I mean, I was at a camp this weekend in Tallahassee where, guess what? They played seven-on-seven and one-on-one, and they were not wearing pads. And guess what? People got scholarship offers. I know that's wild to think, but it happened. I I watched it happen with my own two eyes two days ago. Right, exactly. They, they get, that's what they. Oh, get, yeah. Guess what? They call it Bama ball, but get, all it is is seven on seven, right? Or yeah, they call it what do they call it? No ball. Yeah, no ball. Tiger ball. It's seven on seven. It's a seven on seven is a type of football drill essentially, and it's not going away. I, I got news for you. These high school coaches can make a big huff about it. What's going to happen is. They're going to end up banning it in one of these states, and what's and it's going to end up becoming a major lawsuit. Because how can you tell me what I can and can't do when I'm not in football season? Well, also, if you really want to go deep on it, do we want to talk about how if they ban it in one of these states, how it's going to look as far as like, okay, well, the safe version of football is outlawed here, but the version where you bang your heads against each other and possibly give yourself CTE is fine. Let's keep doing more of that and and ban the ban the non-contact. Yeah, that's going to go over real well in 2018. I'm sure that's that's going to play great in the media. Right. So I think I think football coaches need uh they they need to think about it a little bit more instead of this pushback and you know, you can you can do whatever you can do. You can limit your teams, but I'm just saying I think I'd have a major problem if I'm a parent and I'm trying to get my kid to go play college football and a high school coach is saying, "No, he needs to be accountable to his teammates." Guess what? I don't care about his teammates. <laughs> I was a, I was a notoriously I bad teammate. I don't have to pay for his teammates to go to college, you know. Right. I was a notoriously bad teammate when I played, uh, you know, uh, organized sports, um, especially at the football level, because I didn't. I was just wasn't into banging heads against each other before games and stuff like that or halftime speeches. We just go play, go play, and we win, flat out. So anyway, that's it on that topic. Um, Nick, you didn't say anything. It's your team, Fast Houston. You got anything before we before we move on? Did you read the story? No, but you guys pretty much between the two of you, <laughs> I think I got the gist of it. We just basically read the whole story, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, 
I sent both you guys a text message last night of it was a bad week for uh, our boy our boy Bronco Mendenhall. <laughs> 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 I mean, we we really could have done a whole podcast because I read two different stories about him. Um, he is the Virginia head coach. Of course, we all know he came from BYU, correct? Correct. Right? That is 100% correct. So he's, he's headed into his third year there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so first, we'll go into some comments he said. Um He's talking about, you know, his players wanting to make it to the NFL. He says, almost all, even at Virginia, say, my goal is to play in the NFL. Uh, and my then my simple response is, and, and it's amazing, the uncomfortable silence that immediately precedes that. Uh, now, listen, I agree with him on that because if you do have to be honest with your players. Not all of you guys are going to make it to the NFL. You should have a backup plan. Uh, <laughs> but then he went on to say, of the makeup of the NFL, those young people all come from 85% from single parent homes, which I can't imagine. (laughs) Then he goes on to say the lucky ones that make it to their second contract. That means there's some sustainability when they leave the NFL. They are almost all of the following. This is 78%, almost 80%. (laughs) They are divorced, bankrupt, a substance abuser and disabled. All four. That's almost eighty percent of the luck. <laughs> Look, do we really want to enter into the conversation about what he's like the coded language there and what he means? I think anybody with half a brain listening, I mean, that's a really bad thing to say because I think well, you know what he's getting at. I would say that's about eighty percent of the recruiting reporting industry as well. So <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I am one hundred percent from a single family home, parent home. That's yeah. not what I was talking about. But. Right, no, he meant uh, he meant divorce, bankruptcy, disabled. Which I would say uh, we definitely all fall into uh, some of those categories for sure uh, across the industry. At the very end, there's a line about, "Well, Bronco, where'd you get these facts from?" Oh, I didn't see. I didn't. I, I don't have it pulled up. Let me look at it again. Uh, Sorry, because I want to get your live reaction to that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, oh, the, a UVA athletic spokesperson was asked where Mendenhall got his statistics. The response, no idea. <laughs> well, I mean, would he would he say something like that about baseball players? It's a much different demographic. I, I really have trouble with – and I don't want to come out and say it because I don't get cut of the reason he said it. And I think it's a pretty reprehensible reason. Uh, but I think you can kind of read into it. Okay, so we all we know what you're sniffing, what you're getting at. But the bottom line is, just from a, it's not good to sell this. To, first of all, it's not good to say that about the NFL because every kid dreams of playing in the NFL. We know that every kid coming into college football dreams of being an NFL player. So if you're going to tell them, oh yeah, you can make it to the NFL and then become you know a drug abuser or whatever, I mean, c- come on, Bronco. So, <laughs> so that's number one so guess what that bronco wasn't done this week i didn't send you guys this i saw this one is this the one about the caliber of the players on his roster i saw this so so he's had he's got his third recruiting class coming in right Mm -hmm. so uh during an address to the virginia board of regents on friday 
Mendenhall reportedly said the Cavaliers have just 27 ACC caliber players on their roster from the Daily Progress. That's the paper that reported this. Mendenhall spoke very candidly for about 27 minutes on a number of topics relating to his football team and his coaching philosophy. Among them was his assertion that two-thirds of his roster isn't the same quality of the league they play in. We have 85 scholarships to give, he said. That means with our 2018 class arriving that we think the number of ACC caliber players will jump to the mid-40s this year. So he's basically saying that half of his roster (laughs) – now, keep in mind, they went to a bowl game last year, right? They went 6-6 and during the regular season. And now he's basically saying uh, don't – you know – we're screwed, right? This is his shtick, though. And I just pulled up my story from ACC Media Day last year. I was there and I remember being shocked. He came up to the podium and somebody asked him what would – I think I might have asked him what would constitute a successful season at Virginia. And I have the quote right here. He said, well, right now I relish and cherish seeing my team warm up correctly. <laughs> yeah. Man, he's, he's really frank. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, uh, he's doing – is he doing that just to set the bar low? Yeah, so I mean, they, the Charlie Weiss thing where he says, have you seen that bunch of crap we rolled out onto the field the year before or whatever? Yeah, well, we, none of us remember that, but I we do remember that. By the way, I saw Charlie Weiss's son out of this satellite camp. He seriously looks like he's like 12. Uh, he's the offensive coordinator at FAU now. I think he's in his – because I, I, one of the kids was asking me, hey, who's the FAU offensive coordinator? And I said, that's him over there. And they were like, where? <laughs> And I go, right there. And even the kids didn't believe me. They thought it was like a coach's son or something. And it, it was. It is a coach's yeah. <laughs> Both right. So uh, anyway, Bronco, come on, man. You're killing, you're killing yourself here with this stuff. I'm a Virginia fan. I really don't want my coach. It's one thing to set low expectations. It's another thing to set. You still have all these guys on your team. You well, can't- the other thing is you said he, he's, in, he's going into his third recruiting class. Like if you're that unhappy with the players, I mean, at this point, who do you have to blame for that, right? Right. I think one thing that's that should be discussed about Virginia, from what I'm told, and this is from talking to recruits, they do stick pretty strictly to their academic guidelines. I mean, there have been a lot of kids that I've talked to that have said, you know, Virginia came and I don't have the grades to get in there, blah, blah, blah. But I, And then they end up going to another Power 5 school. It's not like they end up going to JUCO or something. So I think that limits them as well. But I mean, it wasn't that long ago they were signing five stars like Andrew Brown and uh, Quinn, <laughs> Quinn Blanding. Blanding. So, you know, it yeah, really did surprise me that he went undrafted. He had a pretty good career there at Virginia, didn't he? No, he had a really good career. He had a, he, I think he's like fourth all time in the NCAA history in tackles. So, uh, but anyway, it's Virginia has won before and it can win again. So Bronco, come on, man, take it take it easy on the people. Buck up, Bronco. Yeah, buck. <laughs> There you go. Now, Rob wanted to talk about this, and I don't know if we have it. We, we obviously don't have any of the clips ready. Uh, Plies? Is that how you say his name? No, I put that on the run. Oh, yeah, I, I was going to say, I do, I do not know what you're you know, speaking he, about. He's a rapper. He's, he's a, a rapper. He's from Fort Myers, Florida, oh, as you may recall. That's why I don't know him. His, you his, know his, him. He, it, his list includes Bust It Baby. Uh, hold on. Did, this is a Fort Myers him? rapper? Yeah, but he's he's a major recording con. He was like slip and slide, take it oh, to the house. Okay, yeah, he's part he of that out with Trick Daddy. Yeah, the founder know. of that record is able as a kid on in on the circuit now. Well, the issue, the, the what Nick wants to talk about is he's constantly on putting these videos on Twitter. Uh, 
where he, he gives advice to recruits. He's like, hey, student athletes, blah, blah, blah. Is he what a former the- football player or something? Yeah, he was a he. He went to uh, oh, I thought he went to Fourth and Dunbar. He went to Fort Myers Senior High, where he played defensive back and wide receiver, and was homecoming king and best dressed man. Look at that man! What he should be giving us advice. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he his la- his latest one that I saw was you know if if everybody's sleeping on you, you know just. Uh, it was like one of those deals where if everybody's sleeping on you, just be so good that you can't be ignored type of situation. Right, exactly. How is this any, how is but this any like different than these reporters that go on there during evaluation periods and say, make sure you shake hands firmly and lick coaches in the eye? I mean, <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, it's like why, why, of, all, of all the people on social media to be getting you know, social etiquette from – are we are we getting it from a rapper from Fort Myers, Florida? Okay. Now is that what we've come to? Well, would you well, rather listen, have it from right. a rapper that's been voted best dressed, or from some slob that covers recruiting at Ohio? Something. <laughs> <laughs> Rob. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think Nick muted himself because he was <laughs> muted himself because he was laughing so hard. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Right. This is why we haven't done a podcast with all of us on here because Nick doesn't have the time to edit out 20 different comments from Rob every week. Look, I mean, it's true though. I mean, that's <laughs> You can't say you don't see it happen. It's not just the rapper. It, it's like random reporters that think on top of their job of, of reporting on things that happen, they're also, you know, advice columnists for recruits. And the advice is always the most like basic mundane things like make sure you're at school. And wear clothes. Don't be naked in your home ec class. Like I don't. <laughs> it's like don't be absent this week. Coaches are on the road. Be there and make sure you you know have a tie on. Oh, thanks, uh, random guy on Twitter. I was gonna wear a onesie uh, and paint my face for school today, but now that you've reminded me the coaches will be on the road, I'll I'll dress respectable. Listen, Plies uh, played under the name Nod Washington and was a receiver on Miami football team from '95 to '97. As a freshman, he had nine receptions for 69 yards. In 1996, his sophomore year, he had 25 catches for 260 yards and two touchdowns. Huh? What a season that was for the 96 at the U. So maybe he did. Maybe he's definitely more qualified to give out advice than. That's my uh, point. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. All right. So we hate we hate the Twitter advice columnists anyway. Um, so plies. Maybe we should get plies on the show. Do, do we know anybody down there in Fort Myers, Nick, that can that can hook it up? My parents. Yeah. Let's <laughs> send your mom over there to interview them. Uh, do a one-on-one. <laughs> they live from the Cheesecake Factory in Fort Myers. Plies and Mrs. Kruger. <laughs> I do not think we – do we have a Tweet of the Week this week? Do you guys got anything? You know what? You know what? I got one. Can okay. We, can we go? Yeah. Okay. All right. Tweet of the Week. Uh, this one this – one, did make a lot of appearances on my Twitter feed. Got a ton of, of retweets. Really made me laugh. So we were following along with the uh, Drake and Pusha T, uh, rap beef. You know, whatever. It was it was funny to hear them uh, go back and forth at each other. I know Rob was deep into it, especially when Pusha T's album came out. So you know, it's been obviously the kids have been talking a lot about it. So no Twitter feed. So wrapup.com, which is uh, seems to be some type of media outlet, tweets a link to their story. Jay Prince claims Drake recorded a response to Pusha T that would have ended his career with a link and some eyeball emojis, right? 
And our boy Evan, who only has 149 followers, and his bio says, whatever, man. <laughs> his, his tag, his Twitter handle is at Vineyard Voids, retweets that story and says, yeah, I have a girlfriend, but she goes to a different school. <laughs> which, which really made me laugh. He's, listen to this. He's got 149 followers, and that tweet got liked by 205,000 people. Yeah, it's, you know, that's efficiency at its best, man. Great job, Evan. So uh, really quick, moving on. It's time for rants and recommendations. Uh, I will speak for both Rob and myself, and I sent it to Nick. Uh, our recommendation by far is the podcast American Fiasco with uh, Roger Bennett from Men in Blazers. Nick, I sent it to you. Probably haven't had time to listen to it, have you? No, I, I missed that altogether. Oh, you have to, it's um, great, man. It's a story about uh, the 1998 uh, U.S. Uh, World Cup failure coming off of the momentum that they had from 94. It really takes you from uh, 94 through 98. I'm only, I'm on like the seventh episode, but uh, our boy Raj does a great job. He's very entertaining. Uh, I had Rob to- wasn't super. Yeah, I was familiar with him um, because, you know, I don't – I'm a World Cup front runner. Like I kind of check out of soccer. I'll watch the big events. I'll watch, you know, big tournaments, but I don't really follow the Premier League or anything like that. But he's charming, man. You kind of recommended it to me. I put it on in the airport uh, and I couldn't stop listening to it. And then from there, I kind of parlayed into the other Men in Blazers podcast. I listened to the World Cup preview. That guy is – he's – one of the few podcast hosts where I haven't gotten sick of him yet. And then you had to tell me that sometimes he does – episodes while he's drunk <laughs> no i when they do live shows he you know they always have a alcohol you know jagermeister's a sponsor guinness was a sponsor for a while and budweiser's a sponsor so sometimes he uh maybe you know gets a little excitable at the live shows <laughs> and they make fun of him about it while it's happening i know uh rob stone was really letting him have it uh the last time they did a live show so uh I would adv- I'd advise both of those podcasts, as long as it doesn't mean you're not listening to ours. But I, I went through about six episodes of American Fiasco while I was working uh, in my world-famous garden. By the way, gardening Instagram, over 100 followers. Yeah, what's the, you know, go ahead and plug it, though. What's the handle, at least? Uh, Woody's Garden, ATL. Pretty pretty simple. I'm getting all types of shout-outs. You guys better get on while the getting's good, because pretty soon I'm just going to be a gardening thought Well, you know, uh, full-time. <laughs> Can you say that? <laughs> yes. You can definitely say that. <laughs> yeah, well, for now, you're just a podcast thought like the rest of us. All right. Yeah, so, so that's the uh, – that is the number one uh, recommendation. My rant I – I got a couple of quick ones. Uh, number one – okay, there's a, there's a famous grocery store chain. We're not going to name it. That makes sub sandwiches that will tear up the roof of your mouth. <laughs> I think we all – Rob knows what I'm talking about. Highly overrated. I went there for lunch uh, t- t- today to get a sandwich, and this doesn't happen there. This happens everywhere I go. I say, oh, mayonnaise and mustard? Oh, let me just have a little mustard, please. And what do they do? They put 10 times as much mustard as they would normally put if you would have said mayonnaise and mustard. I mean, she just back and forth, back and forth, and mushes it together. And then she puts, you know, some some meat and some cheese. I said, oh, what kind of veggies do you want? I said, oh, let me have a little bit of spinach. And she just takes basically like Popeye. I mean, just the entire sandwich was spinach and mustard. I was just like, do you know what a little bit means? Just because I want less toppings does not mean I want 10 times as much of the topping. So 
that was a that was a major complaint for me this week. It really drove me crazy. And I had another one that. Uh, that it, sounds I, like, it sounds like people outside of said grocery store <laughs> were bothering you too. <laughs> yeah, so, so something else had me really fired up, and I meant to take a note of it, and and now I can't remember. So uh, anyway, you guys get the. Oh, I know what it was. Story time with Woody, real quick before I go. So I leave the gym this morning, and I was on the phone with Rob. I go to Atlantic Station, which, by the way, good luck getting into Atlantic Station in Atlanta. It's just basically a Hollywood studio now. You get everything is closed off. They're filming some crappy TV show every time I try to go there. So anyway, I go to go into the gym to take a shower after I left uh, the other gym. So I go into the office, uh, and I get in the shower, and you know, people in the city of Atlanta. What do they love to do, Nick? They love to play their music loudly in public, right? Yes. And they love, <laughs> but, you know, no regard for anyone else around them. And I get in the shower at LA Fitness, and I think we've all showered at LA Fit and I. We're talking about eight stalls, eight to ten stalls, you know, five on each side, curtains, etc. This guy takes his phone and just starts playing R&B music as loud as possible in the shower and then start singing along. I knew he was going to sing. I knew <laughs> well, it before you even said it. <laughs> well, there's five. I'm surprised, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised the person making your sandwich wasn't singing the whole time. Too. <laughs> there's five other people. There's five other people showering at the same time. And at first I was really mad. And then I just started laughing. So now I'm, now I look like a lunatic. Because this guy next to me is singing along to some R&B song from like, I, I'd never even heard it before either. That's the other Was thing. he good or not good? No, he was not that good. It wasn't like the time I, I was on the, I was at the airport in Atlanta once going, you know, going up the long escalator. And there was an employee of the airport there singing Whitney Houston. Uh, and he did pretty good because I think he liked the acoustics of the, you know, the escalator uh, area. But anyway, this... I understand. Oh, and then, so then he, he, the music stops. And I said, oh, I guess he's done. Well, then, of course, I walk out to the main locker room part. And what do you think's going on? He's got it blasting out there and he's singing along. So uh, nobody wants to hear you sing, bottom line. <laughs> Did he leave flyers on the counter for his next uh, stuff? Yeah, his, his music's definitely on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nick and I were once at the uh, – were we at that Starbucks in uh, – that's right. We were at a Starbucks in Louisiana, in New Orleans, and the year before we had seen a flyer for this guy who had some music out. Well, of course, Nick, like he always does, takes the flyer and then plays it in the car so we can laugh at it. And a year later, we came back to the same Starbucks and the guy was in there working. And then we were like, hey, aren't you a singer or whoever? And then he thought we recognized him because he was like a famous singer. When really he just was recognized because we because Nick wanted to make fun. Well, of yeah, you guys at least probably boosted his day. You know, you probably made his day. Look at you doing nice was, things despite yeah. constantly mocking people and trying to be mean. Accident, accidentally well, doing good deeds. He was nah, He was real sassy about it too. Even when even if he thought that we were complimenting him, you know, he was he was kind of arrogant about the yeah, whole. Yeah, he was a diva for sure. Uh, divas live when they do the next divas live, he'll be on there. So, anyway, that wraps it up. I think Rob and I are going to try to do a bonus episode this week if we have some stuff to talk about. We will be on the road together, and then I think Nick and I may even be together this weekend briefly on Sunday. So, uh, the gang's getting together, and then the end of the month. We will all be together for four or five days for the five-star challenge. We're going to try to to bring the heat uh, as much as we can with multiple shows that week. So you guys got uh, 
Anything else we should talk about before we go? I should check the iTunes reviews uh, while, while I'm talking. You guys got anything, though? No, I'm excited to leave here early to come see you in Sarasota to watch the, the, the curtain jerker of the World Cup, which my four-year soccer yeah. fandom. Yeah, I, re- I was actually telling a story about how uh, I was telling as I watched the last World Cup in Sarasota with Nick's brother, and when the U.S. lost, he tried to rip the TV off the wall and break it. But <laughs> you can break it in half and hand it back to you. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, went, listen – one of the most impressive we, we you better believe we went to Gator Club, Alex and I, and had a great time dancing to the hits. That's highly recommended. You want to see Woody and Rob this weekend, and you're in Sarasota, just camp out at Gator Club in downtown, and we will be there uh, for sure, dancing to an '80s cover band. Um, but also, we went to Hooters to watch the game, and you know the waitress took a shine to Alex, and he, you know, I was pretty impressed I with found them, a place. I found another place in Sarasota that is less that will make me feel less creepy than a Hooters uh, that apparently is showing the game. So I'm going to try to leave. I don't know what time your flight lands, but I'm going to try to leave and get there and watch uh, Russia uh, take on Saudi Arabia at 11 a.m. at some crappy bar in Sarasota and wait for you. Did you find the soccer bar I was talking about? Yeah, was it called Champions Pub? Yeah, it's like real small. Real yeah, yeah, but there's that, that one, and then there's another one that actually has food that is advertising on their website that they're going to open for every game. So I might go check that out. It's, oh, right, okay. it's right by my hotel. All right. Well, we watched Greece uh, win, and as they advanced out of the group last time, so good luck. Uh, real quick, you guys weren't on last week. Real, uh, Eric from Wyoming said in his iTunes review, Robin Krug sitting to stop leaving Woody to captain the shift by himself. At least one of those two are always gone. Woody's a boss, but this show shines when all three are BSing about the latest stuff. See? Uh, you know, listen, you know when you've made it as a show, when guys come and go at this point, and then we come back and it's a cameo situation, everybody gets real excited again. Right. I think, you know, it's the off season. Give us a break. We got, you know, Lackford, you know, he, I thought he brought a lot. I thought he brought a lot to the Lackford is amazing. You want to talk about stock up. <laughs> Yeah. It, now, if, if Lackford could speak how he normally spoke without me heavily editing him, uh, he would be even more entertaining. But let's just say we'd lose the clean lyrics uh, tag we have on iTunes. So uh, anyway, that wraps it up. We'll be back with another episode next week. Be sure to leave us a review. We're only 15 away from 100. How about that, guys? We are at 85 iTunes reviews. We need those, especially headed into the month of August uh, when – we need them because that's when all the competition comes back from their must be nice uh, off season vacation. Did you did you have did you ever send that guy his crap? He DM'd you about? No, I yeah, did not. Get so, uh, well, guess what? I found the hat. I found the hat. Update. I was sitting at my computer the other day and I looked in the bottom of my closet and there it was. So, uh, at least uh, one part is done. I will have Wendy from the office, who's a big shout to her. I'll have her send it out when I get a chance uh, via FedEx. So that wraps it up. We'll be back with another episode, maybe this weekend, if not uh, next week's. Be sure to go to Rivals.com and check out our recruiting rankings that are now updated.